Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Dr. Tom Curran. And you know what? Faith is a beautiful thing. If you've been given the gift of faith, God has given you a really precious gift. Today in Sound Insight, I'm going to offer some reflections associated with, well, the central gospel message, which involves our response to the Lord in faith. And we're going to take it in several different directions, but it's all really helping you to live your life of faith today and to act in faith with a real sense of confidence and delight. What do I mean by that? I'll tell you in a minute in Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' holy name, we say we trust you, and we entrust ourselves to you. Father, ask that your Holy Spirit would make that a living word, a precious word, uh, an authentic word. And I pray, Lord, in in a special way for those who are listening to me right now, who are struggling to have hope, struggling to trust, struggling to find joy in their lives of faith. And Lord, I I do pray even within that group, I pray for those who, Lord, those who hate themselves, those who feel themselves unworthy, who experience their own sense of self before you with a sense of shame that makes them want to hide, guilt that makes them want to um, not look to you, feeling like, Why would you want me, Lord? What do you want to do with me, Lord? Lord, why why would you want to have anything to do with me except to destroy me? Any and all, Lord, who are listening to my voice, who struggle with that spirit within them, I pray, Lord, that you would bind up those words and the source of those words and cast it away, Jesus, in your holy name, cast it away from them, far from them, and... Lord, you do with them as you will. And Lord, that you would bring a blessing, a blessing into the lives of all of those who struggle to trust, struggle to hope or have confidence, struggle with a sense of the ability to celebrate the reality that they are loved by the Lord. They are loved by your Father and our Father. So Lord, I just ask that you would minister to them graces of consolation, graces of light, graces of peace. Lord, free this age, free those who follow you from anxiety, from feeling overwhelmed. Mother Mary, please minister to them through your mighty intercessory power. May your mantle of motherly care be over them 
and over the situations that bring them such fear, discouragement, that brings them to a sense of being overwhelmed. Mother Mary, just wrap them in the mantle of your motherly intercession as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think one of the devil's tricks is to just do, to get us to focus on doing good things that distract us or divert us or disperse us, all three of those. Distract us, draw our attention away from, divert us, push us into a direction that is actually not faithful to God's plan for our lives, or disperse us, stretch us out in doing good things that make it uh, practically impossible to do the God thing, to do the holy thing that the Lord intends for us. I say that because in the last couple days I've seen how at times distractions, at time diversions, and at time dispersion in my own life have pulled me away from or have led to me not praying in a time when I felt called to pray. So very specifically, last not last night, two nights ago, um, I was um, sitting down to pray, and a daughter of mine came and um, wanted to talk with me. And, you know, is that a bad thing? that I was talking to my daughter? No, not at all. Um, And I ended up spending probably, I don't know, an hour and a half talking to my daughter. And that was a really good thing and a beautiful thing. But (laughs) the result of it was, by the end of that time, it was late, I was tired. And so my time of prayer ended up being cut so short. Now, you know, you say, well, what are you going to do, Tom? You know, you, you... did, did the right thing, talking to your daughter. That's right. But if I had gotten up earlier or taken advantage of other times earlier in the day, I would have been able to pray those prayers that I ended up, well, leaving on the sidelines that day. Um, last night, I was um, sitting with my family. I said, okay, it's time to pray. And I got a phone call. And I, you know, I wasn't surprised I was going to, you know, get some contact, but I I could have waited. I could have just waited and said, let's do our family prayer time. But, you know, I'm very obliging. And I said, well, I'll just talk for a few minutes. (laughs) And you know how that goes. Well, at least how it went for me was I ended up talking a long time and my family dispersed. (laughs) My kids, it got late. And the little kids had to go to bed, and the bigger kids wandered off. And by the time I was done with the call, all of a sudden, family prayer didn't happen. And I'm like, I let a good thing. Having the conversation I had on the phone was a good thing. It was a good conversation. It was valuable and meaningful. But it ended up pulling me away from the more important thing. And so it's going to be important to be discerning. Right, to just be able to sense, God, what are you asking of me right now? What is my call right now in my own life, in my relationship with you, Lord? Um, and in terms of the mission that I have, the purpose, because you have a purpose. You do, yes. I know some of you are a little bit discouraged, maybe at the beginning of the year, maybe already facing some of the resolutions that maybe you've made and finding that 
wow, this is harder than I thought, or I just ran out of energy, or wow, I was so optimistic and now I've sort of retreated back to where I was before, or maybe even fallen to a worse state, right? Sometimes that's what can happen is out of discouragement, we end up falling back even further. I know that my own healthy eating plan, which is part of a regimen that for me incorporates the spiritual discipline of fasting, has gone pretty well. And, and, you know, there's probably some things I could be cheerful about, but it hasn't gone as well as I expected. And you know what it really points to is the need, each of these things, these things that, um, again, can distract us from what we ought to be doing, can divert us from um, doing the godly thing or disperse us because we're involved in so many things, is having a rule of life, a rule of life. And a rule of life is essentially an attempt to structure my day in a way where those core values, those ideals, those principles, those things that I'm going to use as the motivating powers that drive me forward in my day, take on a structural form. So like a rule of life could be something like, I'm going to wake up at five in the morning and I'm going to um, allow myself up to 20 minutes to get a cup of coffee and shower and get dressed. And then I'm going to pray from 6.30 or 5.30 until 6.30. Take an hour to pray and I'm going to use that time praying a rosary, taking some quiet time and then doing the liturgy of the hours. And I'll do it in my living room in this chair and I'll have this sort of holy arrangement of my space. And and then at 6.30, I'll uh, organize for my day and then I'll make sure I'll be able to make it to mass at 7.30 or, or, you know, whatever your time is, you know, all of those, all of those sorts of things, right? So you see what I'm doing here is I'm taking the things that we say we value, those things that we would, oh, love to do and just let the commitment to do them show up in the form of a rule of life. As you know, this is something that is um, utilized in monasteries, in religious houses, and in houses of formation, right? In seminaries, in convents, um, we had a rule of life. And this rule of life was really a, it was almost like a, right, a structured schedule, right? In the seminary, you've got a set of classes, but it was all built into a, a larger rule of life, which involved morning prayer, Uh, spiritual reading time, daily mass, evening prayer, night prayer, and then spiritual conferences, blah, 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 right? Spiritual direction, things like that. So those would be elements that would be just put on the calendar. And, And you know what is so helpful is that you don't have to really think about how am I gonna structure my day today? How am I gonna structure my day tomorrow? So having a rule of life can be very helpful when it comes to spiritual matters. Now, I know lots of you are out there saying, well, no, I tell them I get that because I do that for my physical health, right? I do that for my physical health, or I do that for a hobby that I have. I play basketball with the guys on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. I don't, but I'm saying, you know, that. or I go to the gym and I work out, you know, four mornings a week or every morning, you know, I do that from five to six or six to seven or and I do that class, or 
um, or so you, I know that people can be very good and very disciplined. Ah, there we are, disciplined. The disciplined person is the person who has established a set of ways of living that are an attempt to be a follower of a particular way, a disciple. And so uh, as we move into this time of the year where it's still dark, right, and it gets dark early, it can be very discouraging. You can get a little despondent, a little discouraged when it's not so light out when you wake up and it's, it gets light pretty, it gets dark pretty early to lean into and lean on a rule of life, a structured way of life. That can be so very helpful. It can be so very helpful because it can take a lot of the thinking off the table. You don't have to spend mental energy focusing on what's my plan for today? How am I going to live my life today in accord with my life of faith? So I just, I tossed that out to you as a, as a first word of encouragement um, that, it, it, and frankly, that it's also helpful if you're feeling a bit down, right? If you're, if you're struggling a bit um, to be able to say, I don't have to try to think about how I'm going to be living today. I'm going to just follow with my rule of life. And I'll put one little caveat in that. Um, if you're really discouraged or if you're feel, really feeling like you're in the midst of a spiritual battle, right, a, t- a time of real trial, the Lord isn't expecting you to pray the way that you want or that, again, in accord with that ideal that you have in your mind. Ideally, I would really love to pray like this and have my life lived like this. And when I'm at my best and God's grace is flowing and things are going well in life, I can live that and feel so good about that. But you know what? When you're being punched in the stomach emotionally or psychologically or with the situation that that you're in in life, it becomes harder. It becomes harder to live out that ideal. And God does not expect you to pray the way, always pray the way you want, but to pray the way you can. By the way, that was drawn from a rule of life. This one was from St. Bonaventure to the Franciscans. And so in his Constitutions of Narbonne, uh, it was uh, one of the principles that shows up in there is regarding prayer. You don't always get to pray the way you want in the way that maybe you have been able to pray when, again, certain circumstances in life prevail. But you're not expected to. The Lord only expects you to pray the way you can. That's not an excuse to just say, ah, I can just kick back now. The Lord doesn't really expect much. <laughs> no, uh, the Lord does expect us to uh, to correspond with the grace, with effort to the way that we can, right? To the way we can, not just to settle for less quickly and easily but not beat ourselves up if we can't maintain that high pitch in our own life of faith. Okay, something um, beautiful happened yesterday. Um, A woman, a local here, who has been involved in radio production for a number of years, listener to Sound Insight, yay, um, met with Kerry and me to talk about ways of improving the program and her uh, willingness to get involved in helping us get there. And so... One of the areas that she's going to focus on is getting more guests. I love that. I love having good guests on the program. But that's the key. I'll be honest with you. Um, having guests on Catholic radio is really hit or miss. 
And sadly, it can be more missed than hit, <laughs> if you know what I mean. If you don't know what I mean, listen to more radio, and you'll hear that oftentimes a program will only be as good as the guest because it can be hard to really make a program alive and relevant and insightful and impactful and equipping and formative if the guest uh, doesn't got the gift, if the if the if the guest that comes on struggles to make their point, get their get their message out, um, or to deliver it well, or if, frankly, if the host hasn't really prepared him or herself to help that guest shine. And I love helping guests shine. So when I have on like, authors who have written books, I read the book. Um, there may have been a, you know an occasion or two where I didn't read the whole book and had to kind of... Um, uh, you know, skim it and, and maybe wasn't at my best in terms of really getting the at the essence of what the author was saying. But I really do pride myself in uh, taking the time to read the books of the of the authors that I interview and really helping their content and them as the author of that content to really stand out so that folks who are listening will get maximum benefit from the interview itself. And it's really neat because I, I will get um, folks who are guests saying to me after after the interview's done, wow, that was like, that was one of the best or the best interview I, I've ever had on radio. Thank you. Wow, that was, it was longer than I expected. It was richer. It really covered so much ground, blah, 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 blah. So uh, that makes me happy because I feel like that serves you. I feel like it serves you better if I put in the time and effort to really dig into who this guest is, what's their initiative, um, what what are the points that connect between that person's message or their program or initiative or their event and your life so that we can, you know, dr- cross that bridge and touch your life in some way? I mean, that's really what this is all about. I, I want to be, if you will, like that bridge builder, a mediator. It's a priestly role, right? A go-between role. I just so deeply desire you to sense the word a word that comes from God, not a word that comes from Tom, not a word that comes from a guest, but somehow through all of that, that the Lord would speak to you, that you'd sense the Lord speaking to you. You might even sense an invitation from the Lord to take some step forward in your life. And I say that because I know too many Catholics just struggle to have this sensitivity to the presence of the Lord, that the Lord is a living God, and that his presence is vibrant, his, is, is near, and he is knocking at the door of your today. He's knocking at the door of your life. He's knocking at the door of the situation that you're facing right now. But sometimes the noise that comes in our lives from those situations, from throbbing points of pain or suffering, or just real difficulty, can crowd out or drown out the voice of the Lord. And the presence of so many other things that can dominate our senses, dominate our feelings, dominate our imagination, dominate our thinking, can again crowd out that still small voice that spoke to Elijah and uh, when he was in the cave, not in the fire, not in the storm, not in the wind, but in the still small voice. That's what that's where Elijah was able to sense and hear hear the voice of God, and and he bowed down in worship and covered his face at the recognition of the presence of Almighty God. 
I just so deeply desire for you to sense God's presence, that the Lord is a living Lord, that, that it's, it's real, he's real, this is real, and that you have a part to play. It's like, I'm saying this stuff to you right now, but I'm like, I'm thinking this so often when I go to Mass, and I can look around, and I, I feel like I'm looking at parents who are only going to Mass for the sake of their kids, kids who are only at Mass because the parents are making them be there, and you know what, that's not the total attitude, but boy, there just seems to be a lot of like eyes glazing over and a sort of fading out rather than as a vibrant sense of saying, I know what's happening at the Mass. I understand my part. I understand how the Lord is manifesting himself right now, what he's calling forth from me as a result of that manifestation. And I am engaged. I am locked in. I have this vibrant sense of saying, my words that I speak in my responses and the ritual that I'm watching unfold in front of me is an event of the Lord breaking in and breaking through that we are touching heaven and heaven is breaking into our lives and we are here to worship God with praise and thanksgiving. We are here to um, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice through within in Jesus and his sacrifice to share in that work of redemption, the expiation of our sins and the releasing of great graces of salvation, healing and wholeness from heaven. This is a, a mighty drama putting on display. There's, there's an act of, of creation happening right in our midst where bread and wine go up and what comes down is divinity. What comes down is divinity as Eucharist, the Lord Jesus Christ, risen and glorified. And we're present at that supernatural action of God at every Mass. And it's like, is anyone seeing this? Is anyone sensing this? Is anyone standing in awe and wonder that we've been privileged to witness it, to be here, and that we want to correspond with our whole being as holy in order to honor what, what it is the Lord has done and is doing right in our midst. And so, um, but I, I also see it on, the, on my kids' faces. Uh, you know, when we uh, gather as a family to pray at night, and I gotta tell you, just like praying that rosary, my kids hem and haw, and they know there's no winning right? They know that there is an occasional time where I'll say, okay, we'll pray differently tonight. And then I'll pray a rosary and you're free to go. And then I'll just stay afterwards and I'll pray the rosary for my whole family. So it's still a family rosary, even if I'm the only one there. <laughs> uh, that happened the other night. Uh, our daughter, Mary Grace, was, it was her last night with us. And instead of praying a rosary, we ended up having each of the kids pray for Mary Grace. It was really beautiful. It was really touching. I mean, it wasn't like completely reverent. It wasn't completely like serious. And, you know, the kids aren't all that um, good, especially the younger kids maybe at praying um, prayers for uh, their oldest sister. But it actually was a beautiful thing. And it, it lasted longer than praying a rosary. Um, but I said to the kids, look, uh, enter into this well talk to the Lord, and pray a prayer of blessing for your sister. And, um, and afterwards, when we're done, um, you're free to go, or you can stay with me and pray a rosary. So that's what happened to, you know, a couple on Sunday night. And it was beautiful. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm glad we did that. Um, but 
on other nights, I find that when my kids are particularly tired or resistant and they'll, and they'll just voice this idea, dad, I don't get anything out of this dad. I just don't find it meaningful to pray the rosary that, um, I speak from my heart. I speak from my heart. And I did that literally the other night. I just said to the kids, I think it was Monday night because they caught a taste of doing something different on Sunday night with Mary Grace. And I had to kind of get them back on, (laughs) get them back on track. And, and I just said, kids, if you struggle to pay attention uh, while we're praying the rosary, if you really struggle, just pray in your own heart. Just talk to Jesus in your own heart as we're praying these prayers. Or look at the pictures of the enthroned heart of Jesus and the enthroned heart of Mary. During the Our Father, look at Jesus. He's the one who taught you the Our Father. As you're praying the Hail Marys, look at Mary. And, and just I, I, I'm just praying for you that that you'll have this sense. I say the reason why I put such importance on this is that great saints, holy men and women down through the ages uh, and for the last 700 years, right, have, have just said that praying the rosary as a family every day is a source of blessing and protection and provision. And I'm your father and I want that for you. And so I want you to know this. The reason why I do this is that I want you to be provided for spiritually, protected, and I want you to be guided. And by doing this rosary, even if you struggle with it, even if you like are bored, even if you get distracted, even if you're distracting your sibling, look, do your best. You know, pray like you mean it. Pray like you mean it to the greatest extent possible. And, uh, and when I when I pray with that, like when I say that, like with with authenticity, with a real sense of sincerity, and then I ask the Lord, I ask the Lord, and they get to hear it. Lord, please bless my kids, bless them, Lord, especially when they're struggling to get something out of this, where they're uh, likely to get distracted or bored. Please, Lord, draw close to them, console them. Just may your presence become manifest to them. That's what I want, Lord. And I can't do that on my own. So please, Holy Spirit, grace us to pray. I'm always calling on the Holy Spirit, right? The, the, the heart, the, the true inspirer of all authentic prayers, the Holy Spirit who gives us the gift of prayer. And so uh, I'm always calling on the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the rosary. And I gotta tell you, I see it happen almost every time. Not maybe not every time. I don't want to say it like that, but almost every time when I pray that kind of, like when I speak that kind of sincere message to my kids, and then I pray out loud, um, with that level of like authentic desire to see the Lord work during the rosary, even if kids that are in the room um, begin with a bit of a you know downer attitude. Um, uh, a resistant attitude, I'm amazed that somewhere along the line, during the second or third or even the fourth mystery, all of a sudden, I'll start hearing their voice in the prayers, that they will in fact be actually praying out loud, and I can hear it. And I got to tell you, that really, that makes me happy. That makes me very, very happy that that's... um, that's a gift from God. That's a grace from the Lord when that happens. So um, don't get discouraged. 
Don't get discouraged, right? But ask that the Lord in his presence, ask that the Lord with his power would become manifest to you and to your loved ones as you pray your family prayer. And I just, I try to like grab onto like the sayings of some saints, like don't let a day go by without praying your family rosary, right? Don't let anything get in the way, sickness or distraction or busyness or tiredness, just do it. Don't let anything get in the way. And that has helped me. That has helped me actually pray the rosary on some nights. Not always, but it's helped me pray it on some times when our family maybe wasn't together to pray the rosary. I'll be back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So yesterday during the program, I read from a book called Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity, published by Census Traditionis Press. Uh, published last year, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity. And again, this was a compilation of prayers and devotions and prayers for deliverance and for healing. I read, I read a healing prayer yesterday. It was pretty striking. And um, I mentioned to you that there's a practice that I've now added into my prayer time, which is to pray these deliverance prayers at night um, for my family. And typically, everyone's in bed, and I will pray these prayers. And again, one of the things that this book is helpful for is it helps clarify that sense of what does it mean to pray with authority? Where has the Lord granted you authority, right? You hear the disciples, they have authority over demons, but in which, in which situations, right? There are those who hold the office of priesthood, and even within that, a special office of exorcist, that assignment. And that is something that exorcists will say, those who have a background in demonology and in spiritual warfare, specifically coming against um, spiritual attacks and spiritual infestations and obsessions and even exorcisms where there are prayers for deliverance and prayers of exorcism that um, they will say, um, you know, demons are very much based on the sense of justice and the order created by God and they will listen to um, and they have a, a requirement to hear uh, and respond to prayers from exorcists who have that authority and then priests who have that authority through their sacramental um, conforming to Jesus Christ the priest. But we, through our baptism, also have a degree of authority, especially in those relationships that are connected to our baptisms. And so um, that is related to our family members. So in, in for me, it means my wife and my wife for me. And then us for our children, we can pray with that Christ-established authority. And then the book actually brought out a dimension of this that I hadn't heard before, which is because I was planted within a certain family, I can pray for my parents 
part of my whole attempt to honor mother and father. And then also for siblings, there is this insight from exorcists that you can pray as a lay person with authority for your siblings. So I've been doing that, and I'm telling you, it makes a difference. There is, there's like a, a like hard ground is being broken open. I see it in attitudes. I see it in breakthroughs. But I also see an increase of spiritual attacks coming against me and my wife. And so it's like, man, you get in on this, you get in on these prayers, and you will see spiritual advance. You will see a real sense of making spiritual progress, especially in situations where maybe you feel like there's very little hope, I've tried everything. Well, you know what? Maybe there is maybe there are powers of darkness at work in these situations that are impacting your ability to see breakthroughs spiritually uh, in terms of a revival of faith, a recovery of faith, a renewal of faith, a deepening of faith in the Lord. And so diving into these prayers, there are two things that these um, deliverance prayers, there are two elements that have really struck out, jumped out at me. And I'm going to read two prayers to you. All right, I'm going to read these two prayers. One is a form of binding prayer. What you're going to find so striking about this, I did, is the specific identification of spirits that is made in this prayer. Like I never would have come up with this list of like demonic forces that are coming against my spiritual life or the lives of my loved ones through this manifestation or that manifestation. Like through, for instance, bad odors or nausea or amnesia or the tearing of clothing, right? That, but these, this list of, of, of spirits come from the work of exorcists. They're the ones who put together this prayer. In other words, as they have moved into situations where they've discerned a demonic influence and they have called forth with the authority that God's given them the names of demons that are present and holding a degree of bondage in the life of the person they're praying for. These are names of demons uh, or impacts of demons that are associated with the presence of a demon. And when I pray this prayer, you're going to be stunned at all the names of demons that these exorcists who put together this book have identified. The second is something that I have been more aware of, but the powerful form of the prayer is so striking. It's a prayer to remove generational spirits, a prayer to remove generational spirits. And that's where you see this concept that I'm not just born and placed in a particular family, but also within a particular family line. And so it's not as if somehow those parents, grandparents, great-grandparents in the line going up, that these folks are free from demonic influence and maybe even granting a demonic uh, level of interaction with them and their family line. And so it's a, something that, again, exorcists have discerned and put into these prayers to pray against the kind of demonic activity that can be a, a source of generational bondage. 
and and we certain this is this is really uh, an interesting topic for another day with someone who is an exorcist um, to talk about the way that you see certain dispositions, genetic dispositions is at least one visible level of it uh, between parents and children that there's a disposition towards certain let's say sinful uh, desires or sinful inclinations um, or even particular um, really tragic types of behaviors that seem to manifest again and again, generation to generation. And in certain instances, exorcists have discerned that this is the presence of generational spirits that have gone unaddressed. And so this prayer addresses that. Are you ready? <laughs> so we've got two prayers. I'm going to read the shorter one first because I'm going to run out of time to do the longer one. So I'm going to do the generational uh, prayer first and then um, come back and do the longer one, okay? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, incarnate Son of God the Father, thou who hast chosen to enter into human history by being carried in the womb of thy blessed mother Mary, grant, I beseech thee, that any demons that may have been introduced into my generational line by any one of my ancestors may be blocked from passing to the subsequent generations. I ask thee that if the evil spirit entered the generational line by the sin of one or more of my ancestors, that thou wouldst pardon the temporal punishment due to their sin and free us from the demon's involvement in our lives. Blessed Virgin, we ask thee to offer the precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of thy Son to God the Father in reparation for the sins of those ancestors who may have introduced any evil spirits into my generational line, as well as any subsequent sins that may have resulted from the evil spirits affecting those of the generational line. If any evil spirit has been introduced into my generational line as a result of a curse or malefice done by someone outside my family, I ask thee to give me the grace to forgive them wholeheartedly. And I ask thee, Jesus, to break the curse or malefice if it is still in place. God the Father, I forgive them for any of the effects of their sin that they may have committed against my family line and for any damage it may have caused. Jesus, I ask thee to forgive me of any sins that may be the result of any generational spirits in my family, and I ask thee to block any power that evil spirits may have gained in my generational line as a result of my own sin. Heal any damage in the lives of the members of my family as a result of the generational spirit. I bind and completely and utterly reject with the full force of my will any sin or spiritual defect of mine as well as any temptation, allurements, or power that any generational spirit may have over me as a result of my sin or the sin of any other person. I do this in the holy names of Jesus and Mary, and in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now that's a powerful prayer. And you can see, hopefully you prayed that with me. Hopefully you, you amened that prayer that prayer of really acknowledging this sense that, wow, do you realize that you are, you have ancestors, right? That you've inherited not only 
natural but also supernatural impacts on your life, not just original sin, but other things like this. I'll be back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. And just before the break, I was talking about generational spirits and this sense of um, wanting to cleanse the bloodlines of any effects, impacts, uh, or lasting quality to demonic influences or a variety of um, negative or dark uh, influences on our lives that we've inherited simply by being born within a particular bloodline of our family tree. And so as I've prayed that, I feel like the Lord has given me a little bit of insight um, into some of the ways that this could be potentially showing up in my own family life. So just here's a for instance. Uh, If you take a look at original sin and the way that the great saints and doctors of the church have reflected on the manifestation of original sin uh, in the lives of the faithful. Like, how does it show up, right? Uh, Original sin has been washed away, right? But the original sin can also have this uh, further effect. Like, for instance, the, the reality of concupiscence, which is that urge towards sin, right? It's not washed away with original sin. But uh, original sin in, in, in our tradition has been reflected on as a sin of, well, let me ask you, is the original sin of Adam and Eve, was that a sin of pride? Was that a sin of disobedience? Or was that a sin of mistrust? And you know what the answer is, right? <laughs> the answer is yes. It, it, it's, if you will, this is a coin with three sides. Uh, if you will, original sin is more like a triangle, right? And if you take a look at spiritual writers, you'll see typically an emphasis on one or maybe two of these elements. So earlier in the life of the church, the emphasis was on an act of pride, that the sin of Adam and Eve was an act of pride, literally opposing God. You will be like gods. So you want to stand up and over against God and to be a God apart from God, right? So there's that idea of exalting oneself. And so that for some of the fathers of the church and some of the, let's say, earlier reflections was the principal emphasis, now, often there was a secondary emphasis um, that was connected to this, right? Because this one sin has multiple facets. But the emphasis that then would come in secondarily here, but when you move further into church tradition and the writings of, of great spiritual masters, you see a, a heightened emphasis on the act of uh, the sin of Adam and Eve, original sin, as an act of disobedience. So it's less an act of the intellect, an act of, you know, this sort of sinful pride where I stand over against God. I want to know what God knows. I will come to know things, right, the things that are divine uh, and kind of be like God. No, no, it's rather I will not serve. It's the refusal to serve. And that, you know, non servium, right, in Milton, Paradise Lost, but that, again, would also have as a um, very integrated element of disobedience is this 
um, act of pride, an unwilling, a lack of willingness to humble oneself. I will not serve because I don't want to lower myself. And what is that referring to? Of course, you know this. That's related to the idea that God would become man um, in the womb of the Blessed Mother, be born as a little baby. And I will not serve. I will not serve the Blessed Mother. I will not serve the Lord if he is born in a state that is lower than my angelic state. So you'll notice in both of those, right, whether it is pride that man, that also refuses to obey or a lack of obedience that is also traced back to pride, there's this other aspect of trust and an unwillingness to entrust that is something that maybe has been less emphasized, but St. John Paul II, in his writings, uh, and you'll see it in particular in his writings about God the Father as the Father of mercy, uh, that the original sin can be seen as principally an act of failure to trust I don't trust you, God. I know that you're God. I know that I'm not. But I don't want to put myself into your hands forever, fully, completely, and forever. I would rather go it alone. I would rather sort of strike out uh, on my own. And when I realize that I can't, when I realize that I can't strike out on my own, there is no sort of independent existence from God, I will close my eyes so that I don't have to think about it. But if I face it head on, I actually will come up against a demonic experience, the experience of the demons, who it says in the letter of James, they believe in God, but they tremble. They believe in God and they tremble. Right, you know, uh, and, and this was in the context of faith without works, right? Oh, you say you believe? Well, good for you. The devils believe and they tremble. Well, they tremble because they refused to entrust. They refused to trust. They refused to put themselves into God's hands, and and that refusal for, you know, angelic beings leads them to a position of literally being trapped. You were created apart from your willing it. You were created apart from your willing it, and now you're stuck in existence forever. You were made to trust and entrust yourself to God. Right now, and for all eternity, this God who always was, who is and always will be, has invited you to share in his existence and you will forever be under him, out of control, if you will. You are asked to trust and to entrust. And that is the sin of our age. The sin of our age in, in some ways is an unwillingness to surrender and abandon ourselves into God's hands. And I really do believe the demons make good use of this. So um, I did promise to pray this prayer of uh, 
this prayer of binding that was connected to a variety of demons. So I'm going to do that so I don't run out of time, <laughs> okay? And this is a personal one, so you don't have to worry about praying this for others, but just pray it for yourself. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I ask Jesus to cover me with his blood, my hands, feet, arms, legs, head, tongue, mouth, saliva, lips, voice, throat, stomach, intestines, blood, the immune system, ears, eyes, clothing, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I bind and render helpless any spirits affecting me, spirits of never, communication, games, deceit, deception, ministering, sp ministering spirits, dissociation, unforgiving heart, abandonment, rejection, self-hatred, mocking, controlling, of capital sins, occult, spirits that cause hiccups, vomiting, fainting, falling, fear, panic, cowardliness, yelling, rage, explosions, defiance, amnesia, obscene gestures, tearing of clothing, reading of hearts, sudden movements, levitation, hot, cold, temperature fluctuation, upset stomach, bad odors, nausea, abandonment of state and life, of theft, murder, death, lies, brutality, trauma, resentment, terror, pride, arrogance, bitterness, confusion, cruelty, hatred, insecurity, adultery, fornication, masturbation, pornography, prostitution, unnatural sex, sexual perversions with all of their manifestations, contraception, sterilization, revenge, abortion, mutilation, suicide, blasphemy, sacrilege, heresy, schism, disobedience to authority, contempt for God, for his name, for the Sabbath rest, eating disorders, involuntary vices, obsessive compulsive disorders, envy, jealousy, curiosity, coveting, stubbornness, perjury, drugs, drunkenness, lewd dancing, molestation, refusal to speak, false appearance of leaving, distraction, exaggeration, scrupulosity, presumption, slander, detraction, spirits that attack memory, imagination, mind, spirit, soul, and body, the demons and spirits of Freemasonry, the occult, Wicca, covens, hexes, vexes, spells, charms, curses, snares, traps, obstacles, diversions, divisions, spiritual influences, evil wishes, evil desires, hereditary seals, known and unknown, every dysfunction and disease, negative inherited DNA, blood sacrifices, generational evil spirits, clinging spirits, and all others known to be present by St. Michael and the holy angels. I ask thee, Jesus, to sever the transmission of any and all satanic vows, pacts, spiritual bonds, soul ties, and satanic works. Amen. Wow. Did you hear that list? I had no idea exorcists have discerned these spirits. All right, I'm up against the end of my time. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.